You can turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> That's our text for this message. And while you're turning there, I kind of explained it last week in the message, but I'll explain it again. Uh, we have uh, a new system here at New Life. Uh, there's a need and there's an opportunity. So God opened up the door for us to be able to um, take advantage of this. Uh, you'll notice we have an interpreter for the deaf up here. Uh, we also have back in the office, you've seen a lot of people going in and out there. Back in my father's office, there is a setup for uh, interpretation there. And uh, one of our Spanish interpreters is in there hearing the message from me and interpreting it in Spanish. So anyone who has a, a, um, a smartphone and a set of headphones can listen to the message in Spanish. And that's also being given to the interpreter so they can interpret. So it's, uh, we've got three languages going here this morning. So it's exciting and there's opportunities for more and, and different things like that. It's a great opportunity for us to reach out to our community. We are a community that has many different cultures and many different languages uh, within just a short distance of where we are. And it's, uh, I think it's Im important. I think it's a great honor that God has given us this ability and this ministry to use. And I'm excited to see where God takes us. Now, we started a series last week. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say hello to my mother this morning. My mom is still in the rehab facility. So uh, she had a little problem with the phones. If you want to call her, get in touch with her, you can see one of us, one of her kids, and we can give you the phone number. And uh, so, hi, Mom. <clears throat> Last week, we started a series on missions. We're going to be talking about missions for the next couple weeks, what missions is, why missions is, why missions is important, <clears throat> and uh, what we can do, not just as a church, but as individuals, because many times we see the call to serve or the call to ministry, the call to reach, the call to missions as a, a big picture thing that the, the church gets involved in. But we never break it down. I should say we never. Many times it doesn't get broken down into individuals. And quite honestly, what we do when we break it down, when we finally do break it down, is break it down into money, right? We tell people, <laughs> your opportunity to be involved in missions is giving financially. Well, I think that's part of it. That's, that's part of missions. Uh, God has blessed us with money so that we can uh, take care of our families, we can take care of our needs, but also so we can finance the work of his kingdom here on earth. But there's more to missions than money. In fact, money is way down on the list. And that's what this, this series is going to be focusing on. The present need we have in our world, but not just our world, and especially not in our world, in our own community. We, we, I, I see missions in a different way. I think missions, just like Jesus said, or Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, begins in Jerusalem. <clears throat> then it goes to Judea, then Samaria, then the other parts of the earth. And we apply that to us. Our Jerusalem is here. Our Jerusalem is the Springfield Holyoke metropolitan area that goes across the river and goes even ours even goes across the state line because we're right next to Connecticut. And we're going to be looking at that <clears throat> throughout this series. Now, last week I started um, giving you some statistics. I'm going to re-give re, uh, re those, <laughs> re-gift. I'm going to give those to some of those in a brief uh, uh, 
review. But before we get there, let's go ahead and stand and read our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Once again, if you underline or highlight in your Bible, ministry of reconciliation, incredibly important concept for us to know, understand, and really start to take hold of as followers of Christ. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the ministry of reconciliation to us. You may be seated. He has committed the ministry of reconciliation to us. Ministry of reconciliation is the ministry of missions. The ministry of sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with a world that doesn't know him. <clears throat> with a world that has never truly heard. With a world to, to a world that doesn't understand who we are. Doesn't understand what our faith is all about. And as we saw in our last series, before we can ever tell people what our faith is all about, we've got to know for ourselves what our faith is all about. I think the average, the average follower of Christ doesn't truly understand what their faith is and what their faith is all about. And that's where we get ourselves into trouble and make ourselves susceptible to being drawn away into other things. But when it comes to missions, it's incredibly important, I believe, that we understand the basics, the foundation of what missions truly is. Now, most of the statistics I gave you last week are on a global scale, and that's to kind of give us a, a big picture, a macro sense of what the need is throughout the world. And the need is great. There's no doubt about it. But as we fine-tune this series, we're going to bring it into what the need is and how the need is so important here. We don't want to become so concerned about the rest of the world that we forget about our own mission field and the opportunities that are given to us on a daily basis. <clears throat> now, the worldwide population, uh, the last census numbers I got was 7.753 billion human beings. The average age throughout the world is 29.7 years old, basically 30 years old. That's the average age of human beings. The life expectancy throughout the world is 68 years. Now, <clears throat> what about a breakdown worldwide? I gave you the quote by Oswald Smith. The talk, we talk of the second coming, but half the world has never heard of the first. And that's what missions is all about. Telling other people about Jesus and about why he came. I know people are... You know, the, the, the quote-unquote war on Christmas. Everybody's upset. People, are, people say there is no war on Christmas. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you what the problem is with diminishing the importance of Christmas. First of all, the holiday season is all about Christmas. All right? Now, other people celebrate things. That's great. That's wonderful. But the holiday season is about Christmas. When you take away the importance of that season, what you're doing is taking away the importance of Jesus Christ. Now, you may disagree with that, but we can argue and go round and round and round about it, and I will. Because Christmas is about Jesus. And when you take that away, when you... I don't want to say this in a way that 
is insulting, and I don't mean it as insulting. When you take away the importance of Christmas to Christians and to the Bible and to the, the worldwide mission of the church celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world and elevate other minor holidays, and that's what most of these faiths holidays during this time are, they're minor holidays on the same level, all you're trying to do is make people feel good. And you're taking away the importance of Jesus Christ. If you want to know why Christians get upset, because many times we don't vocalize our arguments or articulate them very well. We just get offended and upset and we fight back. And that's not the way to do it. Paul says, come let us reason together. That's the reason. I've got no problem with other people celebrating things. But the reason this season is so special is not holidays. The reason the upcoming season is so special is celebrating the birth of the Savior of Jesus Christ. December 25th is all about Jesus. Now, you celebrate it however you want in your family. You can elevate Santa. You can do this, that, and the other thing. We celebrate the season. We go look at lights. We have a great time. We love, we love Christmas in our home. But make no mistake, we make sure that each other and our boys know that Christmas is about Jesus. Presents are great. Presents are representative of the gifts that were brought to him. But Christmas is about Jesus. That's why you get dander up with Christians who get upset that Christmas is being diminished. But by the same token, don't get upset about the diminishing of Christmas if you're not willing to tell people about what Christmas is all about. Okay? As far as people groups in the world, there are 16,591 different people groups. Those can be tribes or uh, whatever. Uh, there are 6,741 unreached people groups in the world. And that equates to 3.14 billion people in the world. When we put that, uh, when we equate that to the number of evangelicals in the world, there are approximately 550 million evangelicals in the world, according to Operation World. From A.D. 1500 to today, the amount of evangelical Christians in the world has grown from 3 million to the present number of 550 million. There are 4.19 million full-time Christian workers in the world today that work, uh, do work like myself, who are full-time Christian workers. 95% of them are working within the Christian world, within churches, within evangelical communities. There are 900 churches for every one unreached people group. The whole idea there is to help us to understand that here in America, the work is, is being done. And even here, where we are in the least even evangelized metropolitan area in the country, we still have a lot of gospel preaching churches. We have several. It's not like the Bible Belt. It's not like down south. But we do have a lot. If you want to, find, if you want to go to a church on Sunday and hear the gospel preached in the Springfield metro area, you've got your choice. But it's not enough. But that's why we give those numbers. Now... Remember the last group of statistics I gave you is very interesting. And it was about international students. 
There are approximately every year about one million international students that come to the United States to, uh, to study. 62% are from the 1040 window countries where uh, over 90% of the, those who have never heard the gospel live. Top 10 countries are China, India, South Korea, Canada, Taiwan, Saudi Arabia, Japan, Vietnam, Mexico, and Turkey. Every one of those countries are countries that are having missionaries sent to them. Why does that matter? Because 80% of those students will return to their countries having never been invited to an American home. 40% of the world's 220 heads of state once studied in the United States. Only 10% of international students are reached by ministries while they're in the United States. Now, I'm not saying that as, I didn't bring those statistics as a, uh, as a criticism against the church. I, brought, I shared those with you to give us an idea, a small idea of ministry opportunities that exist. Simply by having a church and reaching out to others within our community, there's a college, um, one of the campuses right here in town, right, right, right across uh, the town. Uh, it's about a mile and a half. Uh, Bay Path College, Bay Path University has a, a campus right over uh, next to the, the, it's Cardamundi now, but it used to be Milton Bradley. And their main campus is in Longmeadow. And they have a lot of international students that come there. There are international students throughout our area. That's just one opportunity for missions. Our job is to be creative in reaching our community. That brings us to the main chunk of our message today. What is missions? And I've talked a lot about it over the last week uh, and, and so far this morning. But biblically, and that's where we want to go, right? That's where we want to be. That's what we want to share. What is missions according to the Bible? I, I left you with a quote last week as I closed out the first half of this message by uh, Nina Guntera. says, if you take missions out of the Bible, you won't have anything left but the covers. If you take missions out of the Bible, you won't have anything left but the covers. Because missions is all through the Bible. And like I said, I believe that our, I, I believe that the concept of missions, I believe that the definition of missions, I believe that the practice of missions in most local churches is not the, the, the full range of what missions is in the Bible. And, and here in our church, we try, but there are so many other opportunities if we just see our community as a mission field. Matthew 28, verse 19, verses 19 and 20 say, go, there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Missions is about taking the message of Jesus Christ to people who have never heard. Now, that's a, that's a very broad overview, and it's not just taking the gospel. It's taking the gospel, winning people to Jesus Christ, and then discipling them, and growing them, and preparing them. That's another section of the church ministry that is so vitally important in missions. Raising up the next generation 
of missionaries. We made a little change in our, uh, in our children's ministry, and we added Awana. Flavia Mora runs our Awana program. We have a great team of Awana workers. Why do we do that? Because our children need to be raised with the Bible. We want to supplement what you do at home, hopefully what you do at home with your children. We want to supplement that with the Word of God here and the teaching of the Word of God here. And we want to help you get that into your children so that your children will grow in their faith. Lord knows they're attacked enough out there today. Lord knows there's enough going on to try to take them away from their faith, to try to undermine what you're doing as a parent. And once again, say this properly, okay? And I pray that you'll take it for what it's worth. But those groups out there that don't know Jesus, they're not trying to build up your children in their most holy faith. Most of them are trying to tear down what you put into your children. All right? I'll be cautious when I say this. I have worked with two different government agencies that I can tell you, and I've worked intimately and intricately with them, and I can tell you clearly and plainly that their desire is not to grow your children in their faith. In fact, their desire is to undermine what you are doing in your home and in your church with your faith. So you've got to fight back. Listen, I believe in, in public education. I believe in getting kids into school. I believe that kids need to learn and grow. But I also need that parents need to be proactive. I believe you need to look at your children's public school or private school, wherever you send your children. I believe you need to look at that as a mission field. I truly do. That means you look, at there, you look there and you see needs and you find needs and you see what's going on and you check up on things and you follow and you communicate with teachers. I, I want to be that guy that annoys them. I really do. Not just because I'm old. That's, I mean, that's a badge of honor now. As a, it, I've earned the right, right, Charlie? I've earned the right to be annoying. I have earned the right to get on your nerves. I've, I've lived long enough to do that. All right? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what buttons to push, right? I've got my, I've, I don't have a master. I've got a doctorate in annoying, all right? If it was an Olympic sport, I would win the gold medal. <laughs> but I want to make sure that they know that their sons have parents who care. I want them to know that there's, and not parents that are going to shriek at them, not parents who are going to attack them, but parents who are going to hold them accountable. Listen, I don't, send, I don't send my children to school just to get some peaches in a cup every Sunday, every, every day of the week. You're, they're learning from you. They're, they're gaining education. And quite honestly, many, many Christian kids are spending more time with their public school teachers and staff than they are with their parents. That's not a slight on anybody. That's just the fact of the way life is. We need to make sure that these parents know there's a presence in their children's life. And that we're watching them, not in a, not in a big brother way, but in a way that says, hey, listen, if you, if you teach my child something questionable or say something questionable, I'm going to question you. 
I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, what's going on? I know, and this is going to be controversial. Some of you are going to be upset with me about this. You're going to, you're going to just kind of blow it off. That's fine. We could talk about it and you can have your opinion and I'll have mine. But listen, and I know many of you, you're into yoga. And I, I think that's great if that's the way you want. If that's the thing you want to do, that's wonderful. But I think you also need to understand that yoga is a form of Eastern prayer. That's how yoga was found. That's where yoga comes from. It's prayer in several different Eastern religions. Now, I know that that's not how people use it. But the different, um, the different positions that are done in yoga are done specifically because of styles of prayer and who they're praying to. That's just the fact of the matter. You can like that or not. But that's the fact. And I know that people do it, do it for different reasons. That's fine. You want to stretch, stretch. Well, they started teaching it to our boys in school. I said, listen, if you, no lie, I, I called the principal. I said, if you want to teach yoga, I'll be more than happy to let you do that if I can come in and teach a Bible class. Well, uh, Mr. Then don't teach my son's yoga. Well, we weren't to, you were. My son came home doing positions that he learned from the teacher. Okay, don't tell me you didn't. My second grade son isn't going to lie to me about that. And I've got the proof standing in front of me on one foot with his hands folded in prayer. <laughs> you know what they said? Well, we won't do that anymore. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Listen, what you do in your life, and I know that, I know that, it's, been, I know that it's been taken and used different ways. That Listen, you do with it what you want. Just understand that it's its foundations, its roots are in religion. And when you start teaching religion, which is what they were doing, you're going to have me right in your face. I told him, and I, I don't, didn't say this arrogantly. I said it honestly. This is what I went to college for. You went to teach math, I went to learn religion. We can have the conversation, but understand you're not talking to somebody just off the street, and I don't say that to, to put anybody down. That's what I'm talking about, okay? Those little things that ease their way in, that we take for granted. There's got to be a line you draw somewhere, all right? Let me bring it back to where I was. What is missions? It's being involved in your community in a biblical, scriptural, Christian way. That's where it starts. That's truly where it starts. It starts on the ground level of you being involved. That's where it starts. John 20, verse 21, Jesus is speaking. He says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And that's pretty deep. As God the Father sent me into this world to bring the message of hope, to die on the cross, to give my life a ransom for many, in that same spirit, in that same concept, in that same idea, and for that same purpose, I am sending you. I am sending you. In the workplace every day, in your community, in your, uh, in your mommy groups, in your gym time, wherever it is, 
We had a, a woman here a couple weeks ago, and she came up, and she told me, she said it, it was first time here, and she said she had been invited to church by Flavia Esvaldo. They met her where? At the gym. Charlie Bushy. I met Charlie years ago at the gym, right? Man, that's missions, folks. That's the call that we're given to God to reach out to our world in our every day. Our job, and I'm getting way ahead of myself in this series, our job as a church is not just to give our money every week or month so that we can support missionaries taking the gospel overseas. Our job is to get creative here and find ways to reach people here. It's one of the things going on over here right now. Finding ways to reach people that we normally couldn't reach and, and through a normal church ministry, we wouldn't be able to reach. Jesus is sending you. He gets personal about this. Missions is sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ in the Bible with those who haven't heard. Billy Graham said, Jesus didn't, didn't just die for all. He died for each. He didn't just die for all. In the, in the macro sense. He died for each in the micro sense. Nobody is beyond the reach. There are those who look at our community, our society here in, in the Springfield metro area and say it's post-Christian, it's too far gone. We need to focus our attention other places. I disagree. If God didn't want you to be here to reach people here, he wouldn't have you here. If God didn't want you to reach people through the ministry and mission of New Life Church, he wouldn't have you here. You are here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. And when it's your time to either get involved or to be taken somewhere else to get involved, God expects you to get involved there with a mission's heart and a mission's mind. Missions is actively taking a role in the message of the gospel. Missions actively and actually reaches people. Now, in the spirit of what we've been doing all year, kind of deconstructing and reconstructing, I'll share this with you. We could have had our trunk or treat this year. Could have had it. Mary and I talked about it. Zach and I talked about it. Aaron and I talked about it. And I prayed a lot about it. We could have done it. Let me be honest with you. Our last trunk or treat was 2019. We had over 6,000 people at that trunk or treat. Those of you, how many of you were here for that? That is what you call insanity, correct? That was unbelievable that night. They were lined up through the parking lot. Everybody remembers that. People were parked all over the place. One of our neighbors called the police on us because we had so many people here, uh, so many cars parked in the lawn. It was wonderful. Right? The, the police showed up with a bucket handing out candy. I guess that was their answer. All right? But let me bring it down to brass tacks, because that was great. And we call those bridge events, bridging from us to the community, trying to bring people together. You know how many, church, how many families we got into the church because of that? Zero. Zero. Now, that doesn't mean it was a waste of time. Because it put us into the community. It raised, our, it raised our face in the community. But that's not what we're looking for. 
We're looking to bridge the gap between us and them, but we're not looking to bridge the gap between us and them simply so they can know that we're here. We're looking to bridge the gap between us and them so that we can share with them the message of Jesus Christ. So what we need to do is put our spiritual thinking caps on and pray and say, God, we've got a good thing here that draws people. How can we make it missional? You understand what I'm saying? How can we make that a missions program? How can we refine it and make it better so that we're not just handing out candy and having fun and getting together? I mean, we can do that. We can, we can have a hot dog rally if we want. We can draw a lot of people. But how can we use that to translate it to reaching people with the gospel message? That's what missions is. Actively and actually reaching people with the gospel. The difference between a an evangelical church ministry and a regular, just normal, mainline, Protestant-style church ministry is that we're just not looking to do good. We are looking to do good. But we're looking to do good for the purpose of reaching people with the gospel. Why do you go to work and, and do your best? Well, one reason is to keep your job so you can support your family. But another reason is so that you can build up the credibility and the integrity with others so that you in your life and in the way you work are lifting Jesus up to others. I'll, I'll brag on my wife for just a minute or two. Aaron, we started working at the lunchroom. Uh, I don't have to wear a hairnet, so that's cool. Um, but we're just, just monitoring in the lunchroom. And they asked if they... if they could put Aaron's name on the sub list. And she said yes, and it became an everyday thing, and Aaron was subbing every day. And two job opportunities opened up. One was to be a full-time sub in the school where she'd sub every day, or the other one was to work in the autism room. And Aaron's her, her master's degree is in uh, uh, mental health counseling, clinical mental health counseling. So this, that would be a great opportunity. So she took the job there. I'll, I'll tell you, there have probably been, and you, in schools, you have to be very careful. You cannot initiate the conversation with students. They have to initiate it with you. But Aaron has had the opportunity to have several, probably four, five, six different conversations, maybe even more than that, faith conversations at work. Just because she's there and the way she's, uh, the way she's, living the way she's giving of herself to others, the compassion and the grace that she shows. She's my hero, by the way. She's amazing. She's amazing the way she shares her faith and the way she lives her faith every day. And it's, it's so impressive to other people that they have asked about her faith and asked about her church. I'll ask you the question, how many times that happened to you at work? Uh, not to shame you, but to say, Maybe just like I'm reviewing everything in our church right now to make sure we're doing things missionally, maybe you need to look at your approach in the way you go to work, in the way you work with other people, in the way you conduct yourself with other people. Maybe you need to kind of tweak things a little bit so that you're lifting Jesus up, so that you can have the opportunity to share your faith. Missions is being willing to get involved personally in the evangelization of your community and the world in that order. 
in your community and in the world through your local church. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Missions is an expression of thanks and praise to God by us for his gift of eternal life. Understand that that is our motivation. A motiva- one, of our, one of our motivations is to reach people with the gospel, obviously, but our main mission is to praise him. That's why he says, and I've, I've said it again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. That's why Jesus says, if I am lifted up, we're here to praise him. Your life is a symphony of praise. Should be. Your life should be a message of praise, an expression of praise. And missions is praise to the Father, praise to Jesus Christ for the sacrifice of, our, of, of his life and the gift that he gave us of eternal life. I think a great example of how important it is to say thank you with our life and how few do. We see in Luke chapter 17, you don't have to turn there, but Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 18, remember the story of the 10 lepers that were healed? Jesus healed 10 lepers, right? Healed them of their leprosy. Leprosy, terrible disease, flesh-eating disease, right? These people were outside of society. They had, anytime they came in contact with people, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean. How'd you like that? How'd you like to have to do that when you go into any place where there are human beings? You have to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Well, these folks, these, these 10 lepers were healed. And I mean, can you imagine? They ran away rejoicing and excited and happy about it. One guy came back and he said, thank you. One guy returned. And Jesus said, didn't I heal 10? But here you are returning and saying thank you. Praising Jesus for what he had done. And that's what missions is. That's what serving him is. Do you understand what it is that you've been given? Our world is spiraling out of control. But we have hope, right? We have hope. I've got a surgery coming up in three weeks. I'm like, I was thinking about this morning. I've waited all this time for this. I see, you know, I, I was, I was, that, you guys, you folks saying, give me faith this morning. I was listening to that on, on loop this morning uh, while I was getting ready. And it just popped into my head. Well, what if, what if Jesus returned within the next three weeks? Would I be disappointed? I said, I said to myself, no, I would gladly trade heaven for surgery. I'd, I'd gladly trade heaven for anything, man. That's our hope. That's our, that's our reward. So it's our mission, it's our job, it's our responsibility to live our praise for Jesus Christ. Our life should be an offering of praise, not necessarily a sacrifice. See, we look at sacrifice way too much as Christians. I have to sacrifice to support the church financially. I have to sacrifice my time. I have to, man, you get the opportunity to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You understand that? You get the opportunity to be used as a vessel, as a conduit by the one who not only created all things, but died for each. And he wants to use you. And that's understanding what missions is all about. Missions is bearing witness to the grace and love of God. 
That's what missions is. Missions is bearing witness to the grace and love of God. Now, what is the purpose of a missions program? We have a we rekindled our missions program a couple years ago, and it's it's really going well, and we're we're uh, we're looking at. But what is the purpose of a missions program? Oswald Smith said, "The church that does not evangelize will fossilize." In other words, if you're not living and actively trying to spread the gospel and reach people with the gospel, your church is going to die out. Because the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, we're given this message. Son of man, I have made you a watchman over the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked person, you will surely die, but you do not warn him, you don't speak out to warn him about his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person will die in his iniquity. Yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. Whew. That's tough. <laughs> but if you warn a wicked person and he does not turn from his wickedness or his wicked way, he will die for his iniquity, but you will have rescued yourself. In other words, you won't be held responsible. Now, there have been many different attempts to make this an easier process, handing out tracts and different things like that. And I think those are all well-meaning. You know, the best witness for Jesus Christ, I've said it already today many times, I'll say it again. It's a life that he has changed. It's a life that he has changed, a life that he has revitalized. You has he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. He's taken you from darkness to light. He's taken you from the wide way and put you on the narrow way. However you want to say it. Jesus has taken your sinful, hell-deserving soul and by your confession of faith and belief in him and the acceptance of eternal life has given you the hope of eternity in heaven. Now it's your turn to say thank you with a life that matters for his kingdom. Mission's purpose is taking responsibility for your world. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll take responsibility for anybody outside my, my home. You should. And I'm not talking about paying their bills. I'm not talking about building them homes, although those are opportunities. What I'm talking about is taking responsibility for their spiritual well-being. For saying it rests on me to get the gospel to those who don't know in my circle of influence. Once I share the gospel with them, once I live the gospel, once I have the opportunity, once, the, once Jesus opens the door for me and the Holy Spirit gives me the prompting and the energy and the understanding, the words to speak to them, now... I've done my part. Now it's up to the Holy Spirit to woo them, to love them to the heart of Jesus. But, do, but make, no, make no mistake, the responsibility to get the message to them is on us. That goes far beyond putting ten, uh, hitting the, 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 the church app 
however it is, $5, whatever it is you give to missions every, every month or week or however you give it, that goes far beyond that. <laughs> Taking responsibility in a missional way means I am going to live my life here and now in such a way that people see a difference, that people understand. I, 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 was, I, I did sub, go fag, told him. She said, can, you, can we put your name on the substitute teacher's list? Uh, like, first of all, you don't know who you're asking, okay? I'm not sure you want that. But secondly, I said, listen, you can put my name at the bottom of the list, all right? And after you've scraped the bottom, I truly said this. I said, after you've scraped the bottom of the barrel, if you still have a need and you still see my name, you can call me. Well, they've, uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I had to sit in the hallway. I was was really glad I served in the military because I was doing guard duty, right? Hey, man, I'm taking advantage of my time. I got my computer out and I've got my Bible out. Students are walking by. I have to unlock the bathroom for them. I did lock one girl in the bathroom. That was, uh, that was, I was like, sorry, my mistake. I thought they were all out, but they weren't. But as they walked by me to change classes, I've got my Bible out. Listen, I'm not evangelizing. I'm not standing on a, I'm not standing on a soapbox preaching. I have every right to have my Bible in public, in a public school. Just like anybody else has the right to have whatever it is they want. I'm going to take advantage of it. Not to prove a point. But first of all, I've got a, I've got a career. <laughs> I've got to prepare and I've got to make sure that I'm doing my main job, my number one job. But secondly, just having my Bible open, I've learned from experience, sparks conversation. And there is nothing wrong with priming the pump, baiting the hook, whatever it is you want to say. There's nothing wrong with that. I figure if kids can wear shirts to school that have the Playboy logo on it, I could open up my Bible in public. You see, that's what we're talking about, man. Taking the opportunity, being proactive in sharing who you are. And what your mission is. Mission's purpose is to warn the lost of their future without Jesus. And mission's purpose is also to bear witness of the love of God to people who don't know him. And that is the crux of the issue. Listen, if everybody has been told, if everybody in our community knows, then the pressure is off us, but they don't. I can't stress this enough. Not only are we the least evangelized metro area, we are the most, get this, the most post-Christian metro area of the country. That means, you know what that means? I mean, let's just, be, let's just be honest. That means that our region has moved beyond Jesus. They've accelerated the downward slope to something else away from Jesus. Folks, we live on a mission field. We live right in the middle of a mission field. And while it's great and while it's important that we support those who go out, we've got to understand that this is a mission field. Why are we talking about sending Zach and a team out to start a new church? Because we live in a mission field. 
There's a city right across the river that doesn't have a gospel witness. <laughs> Let that sink in. Right across the river, they don't have a gospel witness. Lastly, who is supposed to be part of the missions team? I bet you know where this is leading. <laughs> Who's supposed to be part of the missions team? Listen, man, if there's one thing we can say that America and the church in America mirror for each other, it's division, right? It's infighting. It's being offended by everything. And because we're offended by everything, well, I'm just not going to get involved. I'm just, I can stay at home and do what I do. No, you can't. Okay? No, you can't. You need to be involved in a local church. If God has led you here to new life, guess what? That's where you need to be involved. If God is calling you somewhere else, guess what? That's where you need to be involved. But you don't have the right or the Christian integrity or the, the ability to bounce from church to church to church and say, I just can't find what I'm looking for. Well, guess what? It's not about you. And you're never going to find what you're looking for until what you're looking for becomes the heart of Jesus Christ and less about you and more about him and less about you and more about others and less about you and more about doing what you've been called to do and less about you and more about loving these people in this auditorium and those people watching online and those children back there. Understand the next generation is worse off than this one. And if we don't take responsibility and get our act together in every way, including being together, we are dooming them to a worse spiritual environment than we are in right now. Man, I'll tell you what, you parents and you, you folks that are involved in bringing your children to Awana on Wednesday night, I, you have no idea how that thrills my heart. Because in the midst of this craziness where people are afraid to talk to each other, you see the importance of having your children learning the word. That's awesome. It's incredible. And it's a start. And we need to keep it moving. We need to find more ways to reach not just our community of believers, but our community, period. Ah, oh, they're so cold. They're so harsh. They don't care. That's a defense mechanism. That's a wall. What do we just sing about? Tearing down strongholds. Tearing down walls. That's what it's about. We, listen, I'm, I'm at the, don't, you guys, they were chefs, don't listen to this. I'm at the spaghetti stage, right? Where, I'm willing to just take the noodles and throw them against the wall and see if they stick. Don't roll your eyes at me, Drew. Don't roll your eyes at me. That's the way I, that's the way I cook, okay? If it sticks to the wall, 
We're going to do it. By the way, I don't take the spaghetti off the wall and put it back in the pot. I do throw it away. Just, <laughs> all right, I dip it in the sauce. <laughs> all right. Listen, folks, that's where we're at. All hands on deck. Everything. We're, we're going to be, a, a, one of the things we're going to be starting, I've already talked with a couple individuals about this already. Uh, we're going to be starting a new program, a new ministry after the holiday season, and it's going to be a missions team. Now, we're, there, we're going to talk about um, missions, you know, missions around the world and our missionaries keeping in touch with them. But we're also going to be looking for opportunities here to be missionally active in our community, taking opportunities to reach our community with the gospel. Listen, I'll be 59 in three weeks, right? Now, that's not old but it's older, okay? And I am not what they would call a creative genius. I know great ideals when I steal them. <laughs> Once in a while, I'll come up with an idea that, that might have some merit. But God has brought together a group of people who have great minds and have, have creative uh, natures and understanding and see things that I don't. And I want to take advantage of that. I want our church to truly, I know it's a, I know it's a phrase, I know it's a, uh, a, you know, a, 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 a catchphrase. I want, to, I want our church truly to get outside the walls of this church and reach the community. Not to tout new life, but to praise Jesus and to reach others with his message. Man, that's what it's about. Rick Warren said, the way you store up treasure in heaven is by investing and in getting people there. And Isabel Miller Kuhn said, I believe that each generation God has called, in each generation God has called enough men and women to evangelize all the yet unreached tribes of the earth. It is not God who does not call. It is man who will not respond. Man, I think that's so true. God has called. And one of the greatest sporting events in the church is actively dodging the call of God on your life. Finding every reason and every excuse in the world not to get involved. Well, I just don't agree with them. Their take is, uh, they don't use the same version of the Bible I use. Do you see the music? Do you listen to the music they play? My gosh. You know what? Great. Good for you. You can, pick out, you, can, you can pick out the vegetables from a great meal. Good for you. We had pot pie, chicken pot pie last night. Had to take out the vegetables for Michael, right? Doesn't want to eat the vegetables. Well, good for you. Good for you. You can find everything you don't like about it. With that pot pie, I chose to enjoy the crust and the chicken and the gravy, and all the, and, and the vegetables, all the good things about it. So I look beyond, I try to look beyond the things I don't like, because, no, no, just not going to go there, okay? I choose to look, listen, I'm having, like I said, I'm having surgery done in three weeks. Ben, you know who's doing the surgery? He's a Yankees fan. What the heck, man? What the heck? 
we've talked baseball, and I'd like, I've had to try to kiss up to him a little bit. Yeah, I think you're, I, you, you've been to Yankee Stadium. Good for you. Hey, 27 championships. Good for you. Please don't kill me on the table. <laughs> we've got to be able to look beyond the things that we don't like, even in the church, to see that there is a mission, there's a goal, there's a purpose, there's a plan. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said in Luke 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And you know who that prayer has to start with? You. You, I will take responsibility. I will take responsibility. I will own my call. In short, who is supposed to be part of the missions team? You are. You are. Hudson Taylor said, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. That's something. God uses men and, men and women who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. Let me say this very clearly. So I know some of you come from religious backgrounds that are a bit different from what we do here. We don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the way that it's being taught today. Uh, just don't. I think those days are over. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens when you accept Christ as your Savior. The Bible says when you ask Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit stamps you with a seal of God. You are His. And He indwells you there, and you are given the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. It's not something you have to wait for. They did in the first century, in the first century church, remember when they did that, that was the very beginning of the church. Okay? When you have a surprise party, you only have it one time, right? You only have one surprise, right? People can come join the party later, but you're not going to just do the surprise all over again. That's the same way with the advent of the Holy Spirit. He came to earth and he came to the ministry of the church one time, and now he's here. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. And he is there to be your teacher, to be your guide, to be your inspiration, to be your conscience, to guide you and lead you where you need to go. Having said that, I'll say this. You don't need a special anointing, baptism, or visitation from the Holy Spirit. When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit moved into your heart and life and empowered you to do the work of the kingdom of God. Too many times we romanticize our faith so that, we'll be, so that it will make a great story to tell. But truth be told, our faith is the story to tell. Okay? We romanticize our call. We romanticize the way we were saved. I was saved. I remember growing up as a kid, maybe you did too, people would come in and speak to your church and they were saved out of a life of debauchery, a life of crime, a life of murder. I remember one guy was a hitman for the mafia. Well, you know what? There are people I know in this church who have been nothing but faithful all their lives. 
That's a, that, that's, a reason to be, that's a reason to lift Jesus up. The story is not about you. The story is about your faith. So stop making it about you. Stop romanticizing your faith and start telling the story that needs to be told. 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 <laughs> Aaron would correct our boys if they said that. <sighs> Quickly, you have received power to bear witness. Corey Tenboom said a person is either a missionary or a mission field. You've been given abilities from God to actively bear witness. You've been placed in a specific location to be able to strategically and intentionally bear witness of Jesus. You've been given the responsibility to do your part to bear witness of Jesus. You just have to take up your cross and follow. That's what it boils down to. All the excuses, all the, uh, all the irritations, all the divisive mentalities, those are just ways to keep you from doing what you've been called to do. You just have to take up your cross. Carrying a cross on your back... I'm sure when Jesus carried his, it wasn't comfortable. He has not called you to a life of comfort and ease. He's called you to a life of sacrifice. He's called you to a life of service. He's called you to a life of others before you. And until we grasp that, until we take that into ourselves and say, that is what I will do, we're going to struggle. Hudson Taylor said this, God isn't looking for people of great faith but for individuals ready to follow him. And that's powerful. You don't have to be a great Christian to follow him. Following him will make you a greater Christian. See, put the horse before the cart and let the horse do its job. Missions. Missions is right here, man. Missions is right here. Missions is sitting in the various chairs in this auditorium. Missions is watching us online right now. You are missionaries. You are called to missions. And we'll see more about that in the next couple of weeks. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of being here today and the privilege of your word and the power of your word. And Father, I pray that we'll understand that missions is about where we're at. Missions starts here. All missions is local. I pray, God, that we'll put aside our, our uh, any, anything that divides us from your call and that we'll desire to follow you. Lord, thank you for those who were able to be here today. Thank you for those who joined us online. Thank you for those who weren't able to be here but wanted to. Father, would you just burden our hearts for your purpose in our lives. Bless us as we go from this place. May we go forward as worshipers, as missionaries, ready to do the work you've called us to. In your name we pray, amen.